Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. graduation weekend for many and uh, we've got friends and family in for various reasons and we just want to say you we welcome you to be here today and we're excited that you're here and we expect God to do great things I don't know if you realize this or not but this is an extremely important day um, some of you that don't follow the Christian calendar or know church history that well and it's all right if you don't but you need to understand that this is a day on the church calendar that distinguishes us I, now, I, I use that term specifically, distinguishes us. I did not say it separates us. Because down through the decades and centuries, what we're going to talk a little bit about today has separated us. And I don't think it's supposed to separate us. I think it just distinguishes us. You say, well, what are you talking about? Well, today is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, and I don't know if you know where you're sitting this morning, but you're sitting in a Pentecostal church. And we're not Pentecostal because we have Pentecostal on the sign. In fact, we don't have it on the sign. We don't, we don't want to relegate the power of Pentecost to a sign. We are Pentecostal because we've encountered the power of Pentecost. Amen? And so we just are excited today that this Sunday is what distinguishes us from all other, other churches is that we believe in the power and the, the unction and the anointing and the infilling and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Touch your neighbor and say, you can still get the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Come on, tell them tell them tell them tell them all right yeah 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 we can have that that's what we long for that's what we need and so this morning what I want to do is I want to take you back to the book where it all started uh, as you know the day of Pentecost is uh, examined in the book of Acts in particular in the second chapter but I want to take you to Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter 7 this morning and we're going to spend a few moments this morning talking about square pizza and mystery meat square yeah see I knew some of you old enough to remember now I don't know have y'all been to a local high school cafeteria they serve like good food now like like my son gets Taco Bell and Chick-fil-a at the high school cafeteria that was not my encounter that is not I cannot testify to that I testify to square pizza and mystery meat anybody experience that okay just a few of you all right all right I, I thought I was in company I, I figured it out all right Acts chapter 6 I want to take you into the first uh, five verses of Acts chapter 6 and then we're going to go down to verse 8 through 10 and then we're going to slide over into chapter 7 and I'll kind of give you an indication of where we are Acts chapter 6 beginning in verse 1 says this during this time as the disciples were increasing in numbers by leaps and bounds hard feelings developed among the Greek-speaking believers otherwise known as Hellenists towards the Hebrew-speaking believers because their widows were being discriminated against in the daily food lines so the twelve called a meeting of the disciples and they said it wouldn't be right for us to abandon our responsibilities for preaching and teaching the Word of God to help with the care of the poor so friends choose seven men from among you whom everyone trusts men full of the Holy Spirit and good sense how many of you know it <laughs> never mind um, some of you already jumped the gun on me you know some, some of you full of the Holy Ghost you just ain't got a lick of sense and I think it takes both sometimes well didn't, that's not even in my notes that's free Woo! okay all that good stuff 
word, Selah, whatever. And we'll assign them this task. Meanwhile, we'll, sp- we'll stick to our assigned task of praying and speaking God's word. And the congregation thought this was a great idea. They went ahead and chose Stephen, a, full, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Verse uh, 8. Stephen, brimming with God's grace and energy, was doing wonderful things among the people. Unmistakable signs that God was among them. But then some men from the meeting place, in other words, the religious folks, whose membership was made up of freed slave Cyrenians, uh, Alexandrians, and some of others from Sicilia and Asia, went up against him trying to argue him down, but they were no match for his wisdom and spirit when he spoke. Now, he... If you don't know the story, Stephen stands up and preaches. And then we move down into chapter 7, beginning in verse 56, and you see the results of his preaching. It says, at that point, they went wild. A riding mob of cat calls and whistles and invective. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, hardly noticed. He had eyes only for God, whom he saw in all of his glory, with Jesus standing at his side. And he said, oh, I see heaven wide open and the son of man standing at God's side yelling and hissing the mob drowned him out now now in full stampede they dragged him out of town and pelted him with rocks and the ringleaders took off their coats and asked a young man Saul named Saul to watch them and as the rocks rained down Stephen prayed master Jesus take my life then he knelt knelt down praying loud enough for everyone to hear master don't blame them for this sin his last words then he died square pizza and mystery meat see uh, when, when I read the account of Pentecost I, I grew up in Pentecost I, I've known Pentecost since I per, all of my life but personally in when I was 12 years old somewhere at a camp meeting around an altar I encountered firsthand the power of Pentecost I I've read the account of Pentecost there's only one major problem I have a dilemma with the book of Acts I just want you to know as your pastor I have a personal problem with the book of Acts my problem is is that when you begin to read the book of Acts it reads like a chronicle of superheroes when, when you read about the guys described in Acts, it's like they're superhuman or something. It's like there's a phone booth on every corner and they can't help but jump in them and come out with capes on. I, I have problems with the book of Acts. I, I, they, they, extraordinary things take place. Impossible seems to be possible. I mean, you just stop and think about what happens with Pentecost. Peter is a disciple. He's nothing but an ordinary fisherman. He's never been to Bible college, never been to seminary. And yet the Bible says that under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, he stands up on the day of Pentecost and somehow, some way, with such power and authority, he preaches a very short message and 3,000 people get saved. That's not ordinary. That kind of bothers me. I have problems. I can't I, I, I've, I've preached in a lot of places and I've never seen 3,000 people all in one moment make a move to Jesus. I, I don't like Peter very much on the day of Pentecost. Uh, uh, but, but it doesn't stop there. I mean, you, you go on and you read in Acts and you discover that the disciples are so anointed, so used by the power of the Holy Spirit that literally as they would move through towns, towns would take the sick people, they'd empty out all the hospitals, all the nursing homes, and lay the people on the sidewalks so that 
when the disciples are walking down the street during the noonday hour and the sun is shining just right, their shadow would fall across them. And instantly, under the power of the Holy Spirit, people were getting healed by the shadow of disciples. I have some problems with the book of Acts. When you read that Philip went somewhere to witness to just one guy and he's riding along with him in his chariot and he's telling him all the things about Jesus and the guy gets saved and as soon as Philip ends his message he pulls, he, he like goes all Star Trek on him. He, he teleports from one location to another. Y'all didn't even know that was in there, did you? Y'all just went right over that, didn't you? You, didn't, you need to go back and read the Bible. You need to go back and see what happened. It's kind of weird stuff. Extraordinary. I can't relate. I've never teleported it. I've been late, but I ain't never teleported. Then you, then you go read about Paul. Pa- Paul walks into a town and casts the demon out of a little slave girl whose fortune-telling has the whole town wrapped up in her power. And in one moment, he casts the demon out of her and he changes the entire socioeconomic stability of an entire city. He, 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 he goes beyond that and, and he survives a stoning. He gets hit with rocks and comes out of it untouched, un, un, uh, alive. He survived. He, he's shipwrecked. Uh, he, he's thrown into a troubled seas and he survives. He's bitten by a stinking snake. And the only good snake is a dead snake. And, and he gets bitten by a snake and he survives thrown in prison and he survives he goes to Rome and stands in front of Caesar and testifies and witnesses powerfully I have a problem with the book of Acts because the problem is is that as you read all of these accounts we have this tendency to try to find ourselves in the account and we can't I I, I can't relate I, I just can't relate to Paul I don't like snakes I, I can't relate to Peter who can stand up and preach like that. I, I can't relate to Philip. I, 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 I can't find... They've they got to be... They can't be human, surely. They're aliens. They came from another planet. They, God sent them especially... They've got to be angels, reptiles. No, they must glow in the dark. They're extraordinary men, right? And so we read the account and we struggle because when I think about the power of the Holy Spirit that I've encountered... Even with his assistance, even with his anointing in my life, I just can't find myself in that type of an account. But then right in the middle of all the studs, right smack dab in the middle of all the studs, we come into Acts chapter 6 and we run into Stephen. Stephen waits tables for widows. That's his job. The, the, the Holy Spirit displayed in the account of Pentecost isn't reserved just for instances like raising the dead or changing a city or casting out a demon. No, in Stephen's case, the power of the Holy Spirit is revealed in the lunch line. In fact, the powerful news that I want to share with you today is this, that Pentecost, the, the, the experience and the encounter of the infilling of the Holy Spirit can turn the lunch lady, or in this case the lunch man, into a powerhouse of potential for God's glory. Because see, I can't find myself relating to Paul 
and I can't relate to Peter and I don't understand Philip but I can relate to a waiter anybody in here ever waited tables yeah I worked at Hardy's for two years I I, I still need counseling because of that experience but I, I, see, see Stephen's job his role his position of authority was this to serve square pizza and mystery meat that's what he did and the account says that even though nobody was writing magazine articles about him and even though he couldn't get anybody to follow him on Twitter and, and, and nobody was asking for his autograph, the Bible says that he was so full of the power of the Holy Spirit that he was brimming with God's grace and God's energy and was doing wonderful things among the people, unmistakable signs that God was among them. Another version says it like this, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did wonders and signs among the people. Stephen, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is producing miracles in the lunch line. In fact, Stephen's so powerful that the Bible teaches us that the local officials try to, they, they recognize that they need to shut him up because he's causing them problems. And so they bring him up on false charges and make him defend himself. And in fact they make him defend himself in front of the high priest nonetheless in other words the lunch guy has been called into the principal's office to defend himself and surely you know what does a waiter have to say to Jewish scholars and the power brokers of that day well in fact he has a lot to say in fact I just need you to go do a little Bible study and you will realize very quickly that Stephen ends up preaching the longest recorded sermon in the book of Acts you mean Paul as verbose and wordy have y'all ever read Romans he never even uses commas or periods he just writes for days Paul wasn't the one that stood up and preached the longest Peter on the day of that's got to no Stephen a waiter the guy down at Chili's is the guy that preaches the longest sermon recorded in the book of Acts and he must have done a great job because when he finishes they want to kill him you know you've preached well when people want to kill you. Just tell them. That's that. Sorry, when you preach tonight, if they want to kill you when you're done, you'll know you did good. So they take him outside the city and begin to throw rocks at him. It seems like a tragic ending for Stephen's life, but I would submit to you today that at the moment they begin to take his life, that is by far the most significant moment of his life. Why, why? Why? Because here's what happens. They stone him. They kill him. While they're stoning him, they lay their coats at the feet of a man by the name of Saul, who will become Paul. But he's not Paul now. He's Saul right now. Saul is an assassin. Saul is a terrorist. Saul is a killer. And he hates Christians. He thinks he's doing the work of God, but he's really working for the other side. And he's killing Christians everywhere. And as he watches these men kill Stephen, Saul goes on a rampage and begins to persecute the church of Jesus. And because of that persecution on the day that Stephen dies, Christians leave the confines of Jerusalem and they scatter, they disperse into Judea and into Samaria and then into the Gentile world. In other words, the greatest movement of God's message his gospel was not distributed on the backs of great men of God apostles and disciples it was taken out to the world by the death of a lunch guy 
the guy pushing square pizza single-handedly starts a worldwide movement. That's exponential impact. If there'd been no Stephen, you wouldn't be sitting here today. They would still just have this little church, everybody confined to the, 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 the city limits of Jerusalem. But because the guy in the lunch line was full of the Holy Spirit and allowed the Holy Spirit to operate through him, now we sit here today enjoying the presence of Jesus. And it all started waiting tables. Out of this, I, I, I need to tell you some things. I, I think there's some lunch line lessons that we need to learn. And I think there's some questions that we need to ask ourselves about being in the lunch line. See, see, the first thing I think we need to learn is this, is what Stephen teaches us is that what starts as an insignificant assignment, catch this now, don't miss this, what starts as an insignificant assignment under the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of Pentecost often leads to your most significant moment. Y'all missed it. You're slow, but you're worth waiting on. Listen to me. What starts as an insignificant moment under the power of Pentecost can often lead to your most significant moment. In other words, one man said it like this. God does not direct his children to do the unusual until they show faithfulness in the ordinary. It's interesting to me that the greatest move that the gospel's ever seen was unleashed by a guy that was just faithful waiting tables. Yeah, see, see, the entire lunchroom account reveals the need for the fullness of the Holy Spirit, not just for the extraordinary, but for the mundane of our life. I just need to challenge some of you that you will not, please don't ever underestimate God's ability to use the small, seemingly insignificant assignment in your life to set the stage for the most significant impact that you will ever have. I just feel like I need to tell you that because too many of us want to talk about the need for the Holy Spirit at church. That's what Pentecostals do. We need the power of the Holy Ghost at church, and we do. But that's not big enough. We, we, want, we want to say, we need the Holy Spirit for great earth-shaking exploits. Like, we're going on a mission trip, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see people healed, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We're, we're, we're going to change nations, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We end up only tapping the power that is in us for the important, and we forget that we need it for the mundane as well. See, Stephen teaches us this lesson. He teaches us that the need, y'all got to get this, the need to be full of the Spirit has less to do with your assignments, prominence, or importance, and it has more to do with your opposition. That was good. I'll amen myself. Y'all can just stare at me you want to. I'm telling you right now that the need that you have in your life for the power of the Holy Spirit has absolutely or very little to do with your prominence or your importance. It has everything to do with the level of opposition that you're going to face. Stephen wasn't anointed because he had this great authoritative role. He was stinking waiting tables. He was serving square pizza. But he needed the power of the Holy Spirit operating in his life because he was going to face great opposition. Newsflash, you are facing great opposition. The devil wants to destroy you. He's trying every day. 
In fact, I would say to you this morning that the, the enemy knows that if he can get you to underestimate your station in life, if he can get you to hate your assignment, if he can get you to belittle your assignment, if he can get you to despise your assignment and to perceive your assignment as a misplacement, then you will underestimate your need for the power of the Holy Spirit and you will believe that only the Pauls and only the Phillips and only the preachers and only the worship team leaders, only, only those guys and only those people need the power and the infilling of the Holy Spirit in their life. You will fail to allow if you don't underestimate if you underestimate your own need for the power of the Holy Spirit then you will fail to allow the Holy Spirit to use you in the assignment that he has for you that, that means what you'll do is, is uh, you'll forget to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit as you install that alarm and as you make that snow cone for that customer and as you answer that customer service call and you'll forget that as you counsel a friend the power of the Holy Spirit is right there waiting to be tapped into and you'll forget that as you're raising your kids that you're not all by yourself there's a power welling up on the inside of you that you've relegated to church but he wants you to take it home and use it on your kids well and uh, some of you need to use him more than uh, never mind and uh, as you mow your yard see some of you honestly believe that you only need the Holy Spirit for church but it has nothing to do with your assignment at church it has everything to do with the, uh, the, the, the level of opposition you face outside the ch- church yeah. in other words I need to ask you a question this morning are you brimming with grace and energy and the power of the Holy Spirit in your lunchroom Okay, let me ask it like this. When is the last time you allowed the Holy Spirit to use you to work a great miracle at work? I didn't ask if you got goosebumps in worship. I didn't ask if you ran the back of pews. I didn't ask if you could blubber and snot. I asked you, did you work a miracle in the cubicle next to you? We're not used to this kind of preaching on Pentecost. We, we want to say, woo, we need Pentecost. Woo, goosebumps, yeah. Head church today, yeah. Cool. But what happens on Monday? What tables are you waiting on right now? What insignificant assignment is, uh, is an assignment that you feel like is beneath the destiny that God has called you to? Because I came to tell you from Stephen's account that that assignment can lead to your greatest moment if you will allow the Holy Spirit to invade the mundane of your life. No lights, no cameras, no applause, no notice. And yet, A lunch line moment can change history. How you handle the daily is your audition for how you will handle the lead role. How you handle the mundane moments of your life is an indication to the Holy Spirit of how you will handle the lead role if He decides to promote you out of your present assignment. He will not promote you out of your present assignment if you understand the importance of your assignment now. 
The second lesson I think we got to learn out of the lunch line is this, and it's, it's a little confusing. I'll try to do my best to explain and then move on. It, it's simply this. We look for the Holy Spirit in service. He looks for us in service too. That's confusing. What are you... T- let me see if I can explain. See, I think it's apparent. And, and, and perhaps I don't even need to state it, but I want you to understand my thought process when I come to church. Any church, not just this church, any church service that I go to. On the way, at some moment in the service, I am literally saying to God, God, please allow your Holy Spirit. I don't need a self-help seminar. I don't need a how to win friends in 22 steps. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to invade this service and let me have a face-to-face encounter with you, God. Please, God, let me experience you in service. Right? Right? I just want to make sure y'all come to church right. Right? Okay. What I think is overlooked and should be just as obvious is that the Holy Spirit looks for us in service too. Now, we want the Holy Spirit to show up in our church services. The Holy Spirit looks for us to show up in service. In other words, the Holy Spirit empowers those who are serving and helping others. He looks for people that are in the trenches, on the front lines of attempting to make a difference in somebody's life. In other words, he's looking for people who are in the lunch line trying to serve other people. Then he will use us. He's not looking for us in some goosebump field service. He's looking for us in service. Most of us never produce any signs in the lunch line because we are in the line to be served rather than to serve and the issue with that is simply this service is the conduit through which the power of the Holy Spirit is released and flows y'all didn't get that uh, service is the conduit through which the power of the Holy Spirit flows there are multiplied accounts throughout the Bible that reveal that to us I just want to mention too just to just just to help you remember I'm just kind of reflecting on the little boy that had uh, just a small lunch and he could have allowed his own hunger to cause him to keep that lunch for himself he could have allowed his own hunger and his own need to cause him to be self-centered and self-focused but the Bible teaches us that when, when he serves the needs of others, the power is released. The, the incredible miracle of multiplication only took place when a young boy stepped up in the lunch line and serves Jesus' lunch. I can go to the Old Testament. There's a guy floating around in the Old Testament by the name of Elisha. Elisha uh, was out uh, taking care of a field, plowing with his ox. Elijah comes along, calls him into ministry, and for the next several decades, he, uh, he uh, serves Elijah, Elijah. In fact, the Bible says that what Elisha did in all these years of serving Elijah, Elisha, all he did was pour water on the hands of Elijah. So now when Elijah's being taken off the scene, and there's a group of people called the sons of the prophet, that means they've been in school to learn how to be a prophet. They were trained. They were educated. They'd been mentored to be prophets. They think they're the one that's going to step up and feel... Elijah's shoes and all of a sudden they see Elisha on the scene and they try to make fun of him 
They tried to degrade his worth. They diss him. They say, Elisha, that's the guy that pours water on the hands of Elijah. They're, they're, they're not bragging about him. They're making fun of him. But what they fail to recognize is that they think that his service disqualifies him from the supernatural. What they fail to grasp is that it's his service that certifies him for the supernatural. And a double portion of the Spirit is released because he serves. In fact, you go study for yourself and you recognize that Elisha did twice the number of miracles that Elijah did. Why? Because he served. See, many of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you want to know about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you to, to go back on our website, uh, passionchurch.tv, dig back through the, the, go to the media tab, dig back through the messages. And about four, three years ago, I preached a whole series called Fireworks, and I talked all about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I broke them down for you. There's a group of the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit called manifestation gifts. We love those. That's tongues and interpretation and miracles and running chairs. No, that's not really in there, but we think it is. And doing laps, that's not in there either, but we like that one too. And, and and, and slobbering, that one's not in there either, but we like that one. And, and all this stuff, we like the manifestation gifts. But there's another set of gifts called ministry gifts. They're not as glamorous. I'm going to say it like this in church. They're not as sexy. Nobody applauds for the gifts of helps. Oh, bless me, bless me. They don't, most people don't even notice. Like y'all don't even notice when Miss Maria, after every service, picks up all the trash you leave in here. But she's operating in the gift of, just saying, just saying, ministry gifts, service gifts. See, we don't need ministry gifts until we're ministering. When we only desire to utilize the power of the Holy Spirit for our own good, listen to me, the flow is restricted and perhaps even diminishes because how much power do you really need to do you? How much power do you really need to get your praise on? Oh, I need some power. I got to get my goosebumps at church today. How much power do you really need? In fact, we can produce goosebumps without the power. Just get the lights right get Steve on the guitar and I get goosebumps every time get some thump going just saying see I can guarantee this I, I want to make a guarantee if you need the power of the Holy Spirit you don't need good lights you don't need good sound I'm glad we have them but you don't need them all you need to do is get your hind end in the lunch line somewhere and begin to serve and as you are serving the needs of others and as you are striving to impact people, the Holy Spirit will be the first on the scene to lend anointing and to lend unction and to lend a power and signs will begin to erupt around you because when there's no service, there's no signs. Service is the conduit through which the power of the Holy Spirit operates. Even in his last moments, while rocks are raining down, Stephen serves others. Y'all ever been hit by a rock? Or everybody that hadn't been hit by a rock, I want you to meet me in the parking lot. And we will resolve your dilemma today. It doesn't matter if it's a rock this big or this big. I just need to testify 
that when you, I was weed eating yesterday and I hit a rock and the rock hit me. Can you feel what the rock, never mind, uh, different, different. I wanted to stink and cry. It hurts. I don't know, I, I don't know if we think Stephen went all matrix on him and like dodging rock. No! They were hitting him with rocks. He didn't have like this glow shield around him that just can't touch him. No! He wasn't MC Hammer, can't touch him. No! Rocks, y'all, rocks, rocks. They're hitting him with rocks. I'm going to illustrate it. Tari, can you? Never mind. I'm not going to do it. They're hitting him with rocks. And while he is being literally stoned, some of y'all liked that part right there, but stoned to death. (laughs) See, I knew some, I knew. See, I knew, I know some of y'all. Why did some of you just go like this? He's being stoned to death. Don't miss this. Your pain does not dismiss you from serving. Your sickness, your issue, well, you don't understand, I can't serve, I'm hurt so bad. You don't understand what's happened to me. When's the last time you got hit with rocks? In the last moment of his life, rocks are raining down, beating the life out of him. And in his last moments, he's still serving. How? Jesus, please. Please don't assign this sin to them. Please disregard. They don't even know what they're doing. Jesus, I'm asking. He's literally serving the needs others what rock is it that's hitting you that's causing you to dismiss yourself from service what is it the pain of your life that you allow to keep you from serving somebody what is the pain what is the issue of your life that you think disqualifies you from serving? take an example from the lunch line and recognize that none of that excuses you from serving somebody break out the stinking hairnet get the plastic gloves on and serve up some square pizza and mystery meat how Well, get involved in handing out hot dogs to hungry and often ungrateful kids on Wednesday nights in June and July. It's the perfect way. Mow your neighbor's yard. You know, that guy you've been praying for, he's on your movers list, that guy you've been wanting to see saved, and and he won't even talk to you. Go mow his yard. And on about the third pass, when he comes out and says, what are you doing? Just just, uh, just, uh, serving square pizza and mystery meat, man. Huh? Just serving you into the kingdom. You don't even know it, but you talk to a guy that's full of the Holy Ghost. I know I ain't speaking in tongues right now, and I ain't bucking, and I ain't snorting. But while I'm mowing your yard, the Holy Spirit's flowing into my life to produce a miracle. And you know, you're all going to get it. Pick up the trash in the classroom that's not yours. 
serve. Do you want to be used by the Holy Spirit to do a miracle? Do you want an impact an entire generation? Do you want to say a word that's never going to be forgotten? Do you want to raise a dead dream in somebody's life? A dead hope in somebody's life? The Holy Spirit will look for you in the lunch line before He ever pushes you into the limelight. Who are you serving? How are you putting others first? See, I could let you off on a Pentecost Sunday and talk to you about the need of the Holy Spirit in the service today. But I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit is looking for you in service tomorrow. If the Holy Spirit shows up in service today, which I think he's already done, and that's the extent of Pentecost, then we've blown it and we've wasted our time. The Holy Spirit is here in the service today. But the question is, are you going to be in service tomorrow? Let me, let me ask you like this and then I'll stop. What are you doing? to get Jesus to stand up. See, I, I have a theological debate going on inside of me right now because I don't know what your Bible says, but my Bible says that when Jesus dies on the cross, rises again on the third day, that when he rises up out of that tomb and, is, and all this, he spends all these days showing himself to the believers, then the Bible tells me that Jesus ascends to heaven and does what? He sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession in other words right now Jesus is praying for us while we're having service that's what my Bible says my Bible says that when Jesus went to heaven he sits because he says it is finished everything is done I have no more assignments I have nothing left to do so my Bible says that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the father making intercession now I run into Acts chapter 7 where Stephen has been in the lunch line serving square pizza and mystery meat and they take him outside the city and start hitting him with rocks and he has a revelation the heavens open up and now he looks into the heaven and he says I see the son of man standing what my Bible said he went and sat down Stephen says I see him standing I can't tell you for sure what happened but let me just show you what I think happened I think Jesus is minding his own business kicked back in the lazy boy he's been crucified he's taking it easy not really he's praying hard for it and he's just minding his own business taking care of his assignment praying for us when all of a sudden he sees Stephen serving people standing in the lunch line telling people loving people they're hitting him with rocks and he won't strike back and I think something happens I think Jesus gets out of his seat turns back to his daddy and says look at the lunch guy I could spend my time back here praying for some folks but look what father look 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 what got me. it got me out of my chair let me peer over and view I, I can't even believe look at the power of the Holy Spirit in complete and total demonstrations he didn't reserve it for a church service he didn't just allow the be just to be the manifestation gift so I can feel good about my gift and make everything up everybody think I, I know how to do church no father look the lunch guy he's serving square pizza and mystery meat rocks are raining down they're killing him but he still loves them to the last minute he gets Jesus up out of his chair so what are you doing I know you're not Paul welcome to the club I know you're not Peter welcome to the club I know you'd never teleported anywhere in your life welcome to the club I know that your shadow doesn't do anything but block the light but may I ask you this question this morning what are you doing as the lunch guy to get Jesus' attention
Are you so determined to be significant that you're failing to be faithful in the insignificant? I want to tell you the most anointed people in the building today are not those that are necessarily leading worship or preaching the message right now. It's the nursery workers that are taking care of our brats. It's the security people that are making sure nobody steals your car. Give me a microphone, Pastor. You'll be amazed. I'm already amazed. I'm amazed that people show up here at 8 o'clock in the morning to unlock the doors and get the heat and the air right for you and to make coffee for you. Just lunch guys and lunch ladies serving square pizza and mystery meat. I release you to take the power of Pentecost out of the church. It was never intended to be confined to the church anyway. How full of the Holy Spirit are you? So full that you're willing to work a lunch line. So full that you're ta- even when you're tasked with the unpopular, you can't even help yourself. You drive through the drive-through and signs break out all around you. You walk through Walmart and miracles occur. You walk into work and while everybody's talking about what they did over the weekend, you walk in and change the atmosphere and miracles brimming full of energy and faith. Are you Stephen? Or are you waiting to be Paul? I I just think on Pentecost Sunday, I just want to challenge you and say this to you. We need some more Stevens. I can relate to Stephen. Because I've been hurt and I've been hit. But I can still serve. How full of the Holy Spirit are you this morning? Father, this morning. God, help us. Help us, help us, help us to understand the lessons of the lunch line. God, I I know under the sound of my voice there's probably somebody sitting in here right now that hates their assignment. God, I think there are probably some men in this room, some women in this room that that they think nobody notices and that they think that, that... What they do doesn't matter, and they think that the role that you've put them in is insignificant and inconsequential. Father, this morning, I'm praying that they would recognize that they may not be Paul, but they are Stephen. I pray that during their most insignificant moments, you would release them to accomplish some of the greatest things in life. God, I'm praying for students in college and in high school and in elementary school. God, that as they walk in and they, they live their life full of the Holy Spirit, God, they may never stand up in a service and give a prophetic word, but God, I pray that as they walk the hallways of their school, as they serve individuals out of their own pain, out of their own heartache, they serve people. God, I pray that miracles and signs and wonders. God, I pray for men and women at their job tomorrow. They may not feel one goosebump, but I pray they would be very aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that as they go throughout their day, they would be very conscious of the needs around them. And God, I pray that they would step up. And right 
they, they may be the most pained person in the room. They may be the sickest person in the room. Life may have dealt them the worst hand in the whole room. But God, I pray that you would still cause them to rise up and step into the place. And they would serve somebody into the kingdom. God, I pray for a church full of Stevens that will help in passion sports and deal with kids that don't know how to act. God, I pray for some Stevens to rise up and serve hot dogs on Wednesday nights even when it's 104 degrees and they don't say thank you. God, I'm praying for some Stevens to rise up as we shop, as we eat, as we go through life in our neighborhoods, in our communities. We would be so service-oriented that we would provide a huge pipeline for the Holy Spirit to flow. And God, we may never be known as the church where people can come and get 19 prophetic words before they leave the property. But Holy Spirit, I ask you to please let this congregation become known as people that will serve when nobody else will. Help us to serve one another. Into your kingdom, I pray. Would you stand with me this morning? Before we transition into a very important announcement that I have for you, I want us to end like this. I think you, some of you are in pain this morning. I get it. Some of you have issues that you wish God would resolve in your life this morning. I understand. But for about the next 30 seconds, I want to ask you to allow the gift of the Holy Spirit, ministry gifts, to be released in your life. And I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to pinpoint one individual or maybe a couple that you need to spend a little moment with. You say, well, Stephen, how do I do that? Well, it could happen in a variety of ways. Maybe the Holy Spirit would say to you, they just need a hug. They haven't been told that they're special all day long. And as you share the love of Christ with them, it serves them into the kingdom. For others, it may be that the Holy Spirit says, take that last $20 that you have in your pocket. You don't understand, Steve. If I give this away, I won't have it. You're in the lunch line. I I get it. I promise you the Holy Spirit will show up for you. You take that $20 and hand it to somebody under the unction and the anointing and the leading of the Holy Spirit and you serve them into a miracle. I can tell you that that is the greatest exhibition of Pentecost Sunday that we will ever see when we serve people out of our own pain. Father, I pray this morning we would be sensitive you would teach us that these moments are supernatural moments that the hug that I'm getting ready to share the word of encouragement that I'm getting ready to give the pat on the back the Pentecostal handshake the 20 bucks in that is the greatest Pentecostal moment that some of us will ever encounter in our life God uses single somebody out for us I pray this morning God over the next 20 to 30 seconds I pray you would help us to single out who you would lead us to so that we can in an insignificant way make a significant impact in Jesus name now will you obey will you find whoever the Holy Spirit is saying lead is leading you to quickly before we transition to something else come on 
step out and allow the Holy Spirit to use you. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.